Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I am Amanda. And I'm Julia. This is episode 77, Kalevala, with Elena Vari. Now, this episode is over an hour long. You read that correctly, but I promise it is super duper worth it. It is like someone sat down and told us, hey, I'm going to tell you the entire Odyssey over drinks. In my mind, it's as if we watched like two Thor movies, only we're learning about Finnish mythology instead. (laughs) That's about right. It is the dopest. And in fact, there are so many incredible characters in this story that on our Patreon, we made a public post so everybody can read it, where we listed all of the characters and Elena's very funny, like, pithy summaries um, about each of them, as well as there are some music, there's like some traditional Finnish music, Mm -hmm. like songs about these stories. And then fine art, like links to, you know, paintings of them. That's at patreon.com slash spirits podcast and in the description of this episode. Also pictures of her cat, who is adorable. I know. It's just, we are like so enriched and hashtag blessed by everything that Elena has to offer. <sighs> Thank you, Elena. You know who else is hashtag blessed? Uh, would that be our new patrons? Yes. Alex, Dylan, Michelle, Hamila, Sophie, Natanya, Vilma, Nika, Mizu, and Lasas. You can dance whenever you want to and no one can tell you otherwise. And you know what? I think that uh, more people who never show up like bedraggled and wet to meet their future spouses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that'd be our supporting producer level patrons. Neil, Philip, Julie, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Jessica, Maria, Cami, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. And thanks always to the bards of our hearts. Our legend level patrons, Mercedes, Ashley, Buggy, Rachel, Sandra, Ashley Marie, Leanne, and Cassie. Mizu, Lasas, and Janice. Jules, tell me what we were drinking this episode. So for this episode, Elena actually recommended that we do a drink combo that featured cranberry and birch. Both of which are are Finland things. Yes, and a Finlandian vodka. So what I did was I crafted a cocktail with cranberry juice, birch beer, which is like one of my favorite things. And I only get it at this one uh, pizzeria usually in Connecticut. It's a very good taste. Um, And of course, the Finlandian vodka. It was absolutely delicious. You Mm -hmm. think cranberry and you associate it with the fall, but it's a really like refreshing and tart taste that I think is like super summery and really honestly appropriate in any weather. That's why a Cosmo is definitely a summer drink. Yeah, that's more vodka. Hint of <laughs> hint of cranberry. Just enough to make a little pink. bit of lime. Yeah, yeah. Lime brightens it up. I know. A Cosmo is, is a is a mommy's little helper. Yes, it is. It's also a Julia's little helper. It's an Amanda's little it's, it's any anyone wants to get through the day, regardless of gender. It's a little helper. <laughs> we are sponsored this week by RX Bar, which uh, you know we love. We know that you love them too. And if you go to rxbar.com slash spirits, you can use the code spirits for 25% off your first order. There's actually some very cool new like offers and flavors on hand. So we'll tell you more about that later. Also, one last thing before we get into the episode, uh, hit us up on Patreon. We are very close to our Patreon goal and we would love to go to Akron, Ohio now that it is summertime and go to a spaghetti warehouse. This is also a part-time job for us and your support lets us pay our bills and it lets us keep this show going weekly. We love doing it. And the only way we can do that is to make room in our schedules because capitalism, time is money Mm -hmm. and your support every single month means that we can keep our lights on, keep, you know, our air conditioners going full blast. Pay our rent. (laughs) Anyway, so thank you very, very much to the several hundred of you who support us there. And if you've been thinking about it, now is a great time to support independent content that you love. Even for $1. Just $1. $1. So much stuff to enjoy. All right. Without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 77, Kalevala with Elena Vari. 
So listeners, this week we are joined by a very special guest, Elena, who is a part of a up-and-coming podcast production company called Oto Productions, and she is going to be teaching us something I don't know a lot about, which is always a fun experience for me uh, and Amanda's experience every week. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, so, Elena, thank you so much for joining us, and why don't you start by introducing yourself and what we're going to be talking about this week? <laughs> thank you guys for letting me join you. So, um, I'm like... Um, well, my name is Elena Vari, and I am from Finland, from the northern parts of the world. And I'm very interested in the Finnish culture and more specifically Finnish mythology. So I am like, I'm not an expert, but I am an, uh, well, amateur expert on all things Finnish and magical. <laughs> Welcome to Spirits, love we're it. all amateur experts here. Yes. <laughs> I love it so much. That's why I wanted to like contact you on this subject, because some while ago you guys were talking about Tolkien and the world mm -hmm. of Tolkien, and um, it was like very interesting, and I loved the episode, but there was one thing that really stuck my ear when you were talking about Turin Turinbar, Mm -hmm. And really the, um, like, where the character came from. And that is why I wanted to contact you to, well, offer my specialities in the world of Kalevala. <laughs> That's and, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And Kalevala, for those who don't know, is the Finnish epic. The Greeks have the Odyssey and then mm -hmm. there is Beowulf. But we Finns, right. we have Kalevala. That's great. I, I love me some Odyssey. I love me some Trojan War, Iliad kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I am psyched for any kind of epic. Tell us all about it. First, a little bit about the writer, or should I say the collector. Uh, mm. Elias Lönnrot was a Finnish physician and philologist, which means like a person who studies languages and oral mm. texts and written texts, of course. Mm. And although he was a doctor, he was very, very interested in the Finnish oral tradition. Mm -hmm. And the Finnish oral tradition is like, well, oral. So before Lenrud, no one ever had written it down. Wow. He set up for several long poem collecting journeys through the Karelian and the Karelian area in Finland is nowadays mostly part of Russia. But in this part of Finland, there is a very, very strong tradition of uh, singing poems and telling stories that way. That's so cool. I love yeah. that. Uh. So Lenrud uh, goes to Karelia and he writes down hundreds and hundreds of poems from different singers all around that area. What he does, he is uh, the co-founder of the Finnish uh, Literature Society, and through that society he begins to put those poems in a single narrative story. And the fun thing about Finnish mythology is that every part of Finland, although we are a very small country, every part of Finland has like... Uh, a different way of telling the same stories. Mm -hmm. But Lenrud set out and he wanted to like create one single story that had a beginning and an ending. So right. my friend joked about 
Kalevala being Lundrud's Finnish mythology fanfic. And, uh, <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> because although Kalevala is very, very prominent in Finnish culture, it's not really the real deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like a, a person, you know, um, who is a, a fan of stuff. Mm-hmm you know, looking at the whole source text and being like, no, nope, this is the one I'm going to go with. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he didn't write a lot himself uh, in Kalevala, but he did put all the poems in one specific order that they are usually not sang in. Kalevala was first published in 1835, and when it did, it sparked a huge nationalistic movement in Finland. Before 18 18- Finland had been part of Sweden for 600 years and from and after that we were part of Russia for almost 200 years more so Finland was well us Finns were very used to not being our own nation Mm. but now that we had something like cultural heritage that was written down it's sparked a movement and we finally started to have our own well nationalistic pride gotcha that's wow, really that's, cool that's awesome yeah it's like seeing a flag you know or um or having a ruler you mm-hmm. can get behind yeah. but you know seeing um seeing a thing that you might have heard you know your parents and grandparents talk about like put together in a book that you can hold yeah. uh that's awesome yeah it's a really beautiful thought before I start telling you the real story of Kalevala, I just want to like highlight the fact how important Kalevala is in Finnish culture because ever since we are children, the stories of Kalevala uh, are taught to us in preschool, in elementary school. I remember wow. still like learning about them in middle school. Like any good story, it begins with the creation myth. Of course. The creation myth of Kalevala begins when there is nothing more in the whole universe except water and air. Ooh, good start. And in that air lives Ilmatar, or you could, like, translate her name into the spirit of air, but, like, a female spirit of air. Mm -hmm. Uh, She just flies around over the water and one day just gets bored and then decides to go for a swim. She plunges down and after a while she's been swimming, she begins to feel lonely. And as she starts feeling lonely, the sea winds just gather up and uh, make her pregnant with a child. Checks out, checks out. Oh no, <laughs> never fuck with the sea god. I guess never get bored in the ocean also. <laughs> yeah, don't get bored in the ocean. The air god or Ilmatar just keeps on swimming. Years go by and one day when she's just lounging in the water, a scalp lands on her knee. And a scalp is like a small water bird. Mm-hmm. And it just creates a nest on Ilmatar's knee. And lays seven eggs, uh, six iron eggs and one golden egg. As the nest is ready and the eggs are there, the scalp begins to brood the eggs. And the brooding actually burns Ilmatar. So she moves her knee and the eggs break. Oh no. And, no. And as the eggs break, they create the sun, the moon, the land, the stars and the clouds. 
Okay, so good breaking. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love how physical that is as well, because unlike, you know, sort of Christian creation myth that, that we hear, we're sort of, you know, oh, snap the fingers and like, wait, mm-hmm. the, whatever, and like the everything comes into being. Yeah. This is like, I know the feeling of like holding your leg really still and not wanting to like wake up your partner or a baby that's like resting on your leg. And then you have to, because your leg just really hurts and you have to move it. Like, it's so physical. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much. I love the idea of this massive, massive woman just laying in the water and a small small bird just creates a small nest on her knee it's very Anywho, cute yeah <laughs> uh ilmatar keeps on swimming and now she has been pregnant with a child for 30 years oh no <laughs> inside her womb is her son and uh she names the son vainamonen and vainamonen is uh, literally the main guy in Finnish mythology. He okay. is the dude in our stuff, like in Kalevala. <laughs> Väinämöinen has been in his mother's womb for 30 years, and he begins to, well, get frustrated about it. So, I would be too. <laughs> yeah. So, And is he, like, around? Like, is he conscious yeah, in that time? Yeah, he's, well, he's living there as a grown man, and then he wants, like... And then he asks his mother if she would, like, birth him. Like, could you please <laughs> oh let goodness. me out? But Can we get this is going, like the, the man-baby yeah. Jesus that we like to point out in uh, in art, where it's like, it's it's a tiny, just tiny, tiny man, yeah. and that's just Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Ilmatar doesn't listen to Väinämöinen. She just keeps on swimming. So Väinämöinen decides to crawl out himself. As Väinämöinen uh, exits her mother's womb, uh, he falls into the water and he swims in it for six more years until he Man, gets back to the like land. Man, y'all like swimming a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of swimming. <laughs> when he comes to the shore, he finds that the land he has arrived at is very barren and there like nothing grows there there is literally nothing except the land um this is right. this is a very odd part because suddenly out of nowhere there is another man named Samsa Pellervoinen who just shows up out of nowhere <laughs> he just arrives like hey Vainamonen, i know how to make trees grow and he does <laughs> that he makes the trees and the bushes and the plants grow and suddenly the world is not barren anymore. Even though Pellerboinen can grow trees and bushes, he cannot grow, like, grains and, like, plants that we nowadays know that people grow. Mm-hmm. So Väinämöinen is a great, great singer. And in Kalevala's perspective, singer means a magic person, like a magical person. Because, oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Because all the, like, uh, spells and conjurings and such are made by singing. And Which is really cool because you said that this tradition was originally told through song, right? Yes, yes. That's that is awesome. What I, yeah. I find that also very, very, like, cool because the when you are telling the story, you are singing it. And when the characters are doing magic, they are also singing it. 
Yeah, That's that like cool. gives me goosebumps, you know, and and also if you kind of abstract it one level more, mm-hmm. you know, that is how we create like we create ghosts when we talk, <laughs> you know, like like we we conjure up stories and people out of nothing. Yeah. So it, it makes so much sense that those two would be tied together. Yeah. Anyway, Vinamon then begins to create a field like he slashes and burns down a patch of trees and like with his song he creates a very very fertile ground for sowing barley because barley grows very well in the land that is not very fertile anyway that is how Vainamonen created fields and the well the tradition of creating fields and growing wheat this is a like funny part because this is where the creation myth ends there is no explanation how people came to be or <laughs> how animals became to be. They just, they were there. <laughs> wow, maybe they showed up one day and said, hey, I can make bushes. And then, yeah. uh, you know, just, just started like making families. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the creation myth of Kalevala. But this main story is the one that we Finns are being told time and time again. It begins with Jonkahainen. Uh, he is a very young man who is very full of himself. And he hears about this very, very old sorcerer named Väinämöinen. And he wants to challenge Väinämöinen and show him that he is the man, not some Uh-oh. old dude. He knows the words of the land and he knows the greatest songs. So... He goes on and searches for Vainamonen. And how about that? He finds Vainamonen and he dares Vainamonen into a battle of wits. Who knows more? Oh no. <laughs> and Vainamonen bl- plays dumb. Like, okay, young man, what do you know? I barely know anything. And smart. And uh, Jokahainen begins to tell him about everything he knows about the about the way the wheat grows, about the way the waves like are created. And Vainamonen is well, he humors Jokahainen until Jokahainen lies and tells Vainamonen he was there when the sun and the stars we cre- were created. And Vainamonen knows that the suns and the stars were created even before he was born. Right, because he was there. Mm-hmm. So he is mad at Jokahainen. And Jokahainen now challenges him for a sword fight. But Vainamonen doesn't take it. He starts to sing. As he starts to sing, everything Jokahainen came to Vainamönen with, his carriages, his sword, his dog, his horses, they begin to turn into different parts of the nature. They turn into stone, they turn into trees, and Jokahainen cannot do anything but watch when everything he owns turns to nothing. Dang. And the last thing Vainamönen sings is for Jokahainen to fall into a bog and start <laughs> to sink there. Wow, that's awesome. So now Jokahainen is in big trouble and he begins to plead for Vainamönen. I, I will give you many fields. I will give you my greatest boat. I will give you my best horses. But Vainamönen doesn't care because he has everything and more. At his last breath, Jokahainen offers 
his sister Aina to become Väinämöinen's bride. And mm. now Väinämöinen is very interested because <laughs> this old <laughs> nasty man loves a good wife. Fair enough. And, um, well, he undoes everything he has sang and sends Jokahainen back home, well, tail between his legs. And as Jokahainen comes back to his mother, he begins to cry and tells her mother how he has promised their beautiful, beautiful daughter to become a bride for a old, old man. But surprisingly, <laughs> the mother is very excited because the mother knows how famous and powerful Väinämöinen is, because he is the greatest sorcerer of the land. And she goes to Aino and, like, shares the happy news. But who would have guessed Aino is not that happy? <laughs> because she doesn't want to marry an old man. I don't so, blame her for that. <laughs> so... She begins to cry and runs from home. But as she runs from home, in the woods, she meets Väinämöinen. Because Väinämöinen is a creep and apparently followed oh, no. Jokahainen home. Väinämöinen starts to woo Aino. Like, mm, beautiful woman, you are gonna be my wife. Do not dress up yourself to any other man. Only dress up for me and be the prettiest only. For me, your future husband. Like, buddy, we haven't even spoken yet. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> and, well, Aino tells him just that. He refuses him, like, very... Uh, well, he turns him... No, she turns him down and runs off from him as well. As she comes home, she learns that every person in her family is already pre preparing for the wedding. Oh no. They are all very happy for Aino to, like, marry the greatest man of the land. But Aino is young and Aino doesn't want to get locked down so early. To please her mother, she still dresses up in her finest clothing. All the jewels, all the shawls, everything. But then she walks to a nearby lake. As she stands there next to the lake, she begins to undress again. And she lays every bit of clothing on the shore before walking into the water and drowning herself. Ooh. Oh, boy. A rabbit sees this. The rabbit runs off and tells Aino's family and Väinämöinen himself what Aino has done. And everyone is saddened by this, of course, especially... Uh, Aino's mother, who promises to never force her other children to do anything they don't want to, and Väinämöinen, who blames himself for the suicide of Aino. Wow. Think about if it really was Väinämöinen's fault or, <laughs> well, the society's fault for, mm. well, just giving out the young girls as prizes to be won. I usually blame society when I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like that, that reminded me of the, um, of the Sondheim song, Getting Married Today mm -hmm. from Company. I cannot imagine calling off a wedding, period. Mm -hmm. You know, much less one where your family is like, hey, good job marrying like the most powerful man in all the land. Yeah. And like your parents and your family and your town, you know, and like the country yeah. are all excited and proud. You know, like, like, can you, can you imagine? I, I don't know. And that image is just so 
um, so powerful. Mm-hmm. But one, like, I myself find this a happy thought because Vainamonen actually, this is not the last time he meets Aino because one day Vainamonen is uh, fishing at the lake Aino drowned herself in and fishes out a, a salmon. And it turns out this salmon is actually Aino. And Aino disguised as a salmon. And as Vainamonen sees this, he throws the salmon back into the lake. And Aino one last time shows herself. And she has actually become one of the uh, maidens of Vellamo. She is the deity of the lakes and the water. And Aino has become one of her maidens and like maidens oh. maidens in waiting you could say, oh, you that's could awesome. say. i like that so yeah and like the creation you know story that we started with she gets to just like chill in the water all day and that that sounds pretty fun but the story continues by yokohain and aina's brother uh, of course wanting revenge on vainamonen because he blames vainamonen on aina's suicide so one day, Jokahainen sees Vainamoinen uh, riding with his horse towards Pohjola. And Pohjola is the northern land. It is very often described as the land of the dead, but it is not oh. yet the land of the dead. It's like Pohjola is where the gates to the, well, afterlife are. But... Vainamonen is on his way to Pohjola for some reason. It is not mentioned why. But as Jokahainen sees him, Vainamonen is actually riding on water. And this is where I start to a little bit suspect that Lönnrot has added some Jesus metaphors in here. Because... <laughs> oh man, uh-oh. Because as many... Finns at the time where uh, Lönnrot was Christian. Got it. Syncretism, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, I don't know if Vainamoinen actually could ride on water because he never does it again. But, well, Jokahainen anyway sees him do this and decides to shoot the horse down. So oh. he shoots the horse and Vainamoinen falls into the water. Vainamoinen is actually sure that his time has now come. And now he begins to pray for the gods to save him. Hmm. And suddenly there is a large bird. Uh, We call this bird Kokko, but it's like a massive um, eagle-like bird. That's awesome. I love a massive bird. (laughs) Yeah. Bird husband, bird husband. (laughs) Well, you're then happy to hear that there are several large birds in Kalevalam. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. Ah, good. Solid. <laughs> anyway, the Kokko helps Vainamoinen to get to the shore on the Pohjola side of the sea or the lake. Now he is without a horse, he is wet, he is sad, and he arrives to the gates of Pohjola. Well, the matriarch of, po- of Pohjola is waiting for him. The matriarch is called Lohi. And she is known for cruel but strong will. And she is very great sorcerers, sorcerer herself. I already love her. I love her a lot. She's my mom. And as Vainamoinen comes to her for help, she offers it to him without 
any report, like anything to ask for him. She just huh. uh, lets him in. But as Vinamonen gets warm and gets something to eat and is no longer wet and sad, Lohi doesn't let him go. And now he is in Pohjola. Um, Lohi gives him a proposition. Uh, if he can forge the great magical object named Sampo, she will let him go. And if he gives the Sampo to Lohi, she will also let him marry one of her daughters. But the thing is, Vainamonen is not a blacksmith. Vainamonen doesn't know how to forge this magical object. Time to learn, buddy. Time to learn. <laughs> Vainamonen doesn't know how to forge Sampo, but he knows a person who can. So he tells Lohi he will get this person for her if she lets huh. him go. Well, Lohi agrees to, to this and lets Vainamonen go. And Vainamonen returns to his home and walks straight to the workhouse of Ilmarinen, the, the blacksmith. And as Vainamonen is known as the greatest magic man of the land, Ilmarinen is known as the greatest blacksmith. And huh. there is actually like three main characters, and Vainamonen and Ilmarinen are the two four first ones. And as Vainamonen knows, Ilmarinen will not stop his work for anything. He's a kind of a workaholic, you could say. He conjures up a great, great tree. It is so high, it reaches the sky and touches the stars. Then he goes to Ilmarinen and tells him to, Hey dude, come and check out this tree you have in your backyard. <laughs> and Ilmarinen is intrigued and comes out and sees the tree and then Vainamonen dares him to climb the tree. And oh man, because, I'd take that dare. <laughs> yeah, well... Very smart. Well, men are men and these are like the most dude bros you can find in all of <laughs> history. Checks out. Um, yeah, of course Ilmarinen takes the dare and starts to climb the tree. But little does he know as he is climbing the tree... Vainamoinen begins to sing again, and now he conjures up a great, great wind. And this wind takes Ilmarinen all the way to Pohjola, where Lohi wow. is waiting for him. <laughs> well, well, now Lohi gives the same proposition to Ilmarinen. If you can forge me the Sampo and give the Sampo to me, I will let you marry one of my daughters. And Ilmarinen is very, very compelled by this idea because he, because he's the best. There is nothing he cannot do. So the idea of creating Sampo is such a great challenge for him. So he takes it without hesitation. Nice. <laughs> and he begins to forge. And the funny thing is that he creates Sampo out of the tip of a feather from a swan a drop of a milk from a cow that has never been milked before, one grain of barley, and one wisp of sheep's wool. Which is a very odd uh, ingredients for a golden cre uh, object to be using. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, or sort of like into the woods. What is the full order, Julia? Uh, the cow is white as milk, the cape as red as blood, the hair as yellow as corn, the slipper as pure as gold. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's something, I mean, that's sort of, you know, obviously made up a little bit, but it is about fairy tales. And there's <laughs> this idea of like, you know, it's like silky, wispy, you know, kind of, a, mm. um, you know, a material mm-hmm. going into a golden recipe. Yeah. But anywho, now that Ilmarinen begins to forge this object, he doesn't succeed at first because it's very challenging to create Sampo. So he creates several objects before he succeeds. For instance, he creates a bow that kills anything it shoots. He creates a great, great war boat. Then he forges a massive cow. And lastly... He forges a golden plow that, well, it blows anything, any any type of field. (laughs) But he is not satisfied with any of this. And as he creates these objects, objects, he throws them back into the fire as they come out of it perfectionist so interesting yeah and like those are all really useful objects Mm -hmm. but instead he needs to create this it sounds like you're not really sure what even the form or the use of this you know mythical object Mm -hmm. is so that's really interesting in terms of like ambition and the stuff that we give up to get there you know where like you'll you'll forego many useful like ideas opportunities paths in order to get to like this one idea of like the pinnacle the greatest thing yeah but as Ilmarinen forges on, he finally succeeds and he creates the Sampo. And the only description we are ever given of Sampo is that it is golden. It has three different mills in it. One of the mills grinds flowers, mm. one of the mills grinds salt, and the last one grinds gold. So it is uh-huh. it is like a great magical symbol and object of great wealth and well luck. I love that you don't know what it looks like. Yeah. That's like that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's one of the great not written rules of Finnish art that you are not very you, you're not really allowed to paint or draw the sampo and like the mystery just keeps on being like no one really knows what it looks like so you should never paint it that's awesome wow, i was going to ask you if there's like contemporary art of people imagining what it looks like but that is cooler mystery is cooler mystery like, is always cooler uh-huh as ilmarinen finally succeeds in forging the sampo lo he is so freaking happy she has never seen anything like it and now she knows that although her land is very barren and very cold and sad because it's up north and the dead live there. She finally has something better than anyone else. So he is happy to let Ilmarinen choose one of her daughters as a bride. As you can expect, it doesn't go that well because when Ilmarinen goes and asks one of the daughters for her hand, uh, the daughter doesn't, well, agree to this because Ilmarinen is very dirty. He has been working all day. He's working all the ways. He never even gave a look for the girl before he was ready and done working. So the girl is not interested. 
This seems to yeah. be a common theme. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I love that there are so many women who are like, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as Lohi gets the sample, she locks it up behind nine massive locks and then buries it into the bedrock of Pohjola. And although Ilmarinen is very, like, disappointed in not getting a wife, he is still very, like, happy about his work and just leaves Pohjola and goes back home. All right. That's not the worst ending to that story. (laughs) And now we get to meet the final and third main character in this main Kalevala story, and his name is Lemminkäinen. And when I was younger, um, Lemminkäinen was my favorite character because he is well, let's say he he's very uh, ridiculous in a way that he is the most arrogant asshole you can meet. <laughs> yes. He is a great fisherman, a young man with good looks and great skills. And, well, he's very talented and full of himself. Yeah, fuckboy. He, he is the OG fuckboy of Kalevala <laughs> because he is very into women. He loves um well fucking around as they say <laughs> sure <laughs> and he is a bit of a womanizer well then his mother requests for him to finally settle down get a wife so he of course sets out to get the most beautiful woman in the land rolls eyes <laughs> yeah this woman is named Kulliki and Kulliki is known for her love of dance he is dancing every night, like, uh, goes from party to party, and she's just a joy to hang out with, and, well, she's the most beautiful of them all. As uh, Lemminkainen arrives to Kyllikki's home island, every other woman falls in love with Lemminkainen, <laughs> except Kyllikki. Yes, Checks out. it wouldn't be a story if it, if it happened any other way. But sadly, Lemminkainen gets very frustrated about this and ends up snatching Kyllikki out of one of the parties and just riding off with her. Oh, buddy. Uh-oh. Oh, oh no. Uh, oh, yeah, no. There, there really was no consent in this because as they are riding off, Kyllikki is very mad at Lemminkainen, like, let me down, let me down, don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to go with you. I do not blame her. Yeah, but Lemminkainen starts to sweet talk her. Like, yes, become my wife. I will give you all the, all the things you will ever need and I will be so sweet for you. And well, Lemminkainen is very handsome. So Kyllikki, she proposes a deal. If Lemminkainen will never go to war and wage war, she will become his wife and she will... Um, not go on dancing every night because it is for some reason very bad for women who are married to dance ever so often. I don't, sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of making the best of a bad situation mm. to be like, okay, I know that you're like in the middle of kidnapping me, but how about you, you know, you stop kidnapping me and also world peace. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. like if, if one lady has to marry one, you know, good looking fuck boy, like that's a, that's a pretty good calculus. Yeah. But sadly, of course, it doesn't, well, end like that because mm-hmm. as they get married and as they live on, uh, Lemminkainen one day stays a little bit longer on one of his fishing trips. Kyllikki gets bored and 
just for one night she goes out to dance. And oh, when no. Lemminginen comes back, one of Lemminginen's sisters tells on Gullikki. And Lemminginen no. gets to know that she has not kept her promise. And oh. this, this angers him a lot. So he uh, collects all his things, all his war gear to go and wage war in Pohjola. Well, where Lohi rules. And as Kyllikki and Lemminkäinen's mother try to warn him and try to not let him go, he throws them one of his hairbrushes, because he's a fancy man, of course he has a hairbrush, <laughs> uh, and tells the women that if this brush begins to bleed, I am dead. And then just runs off to Pohjola. This is very dramatic. As he arrives to Pohjola, he fights everyone. He literally fights everyone he meets. All the young men, all the old men, everyone <sighs> who can lift a sword, except one person, this very old and blind shepherd. Lemminkainen tells this shepherd that he is not worth Lemminkainen's time. And then Lemminkainen just goes on and the shepherd is very hurt and like his pride has been shattered and he well goes away to seek for revenge on Lemminkainen. In the meantime Lemminkainen goes to Lohi and tells Lohi to give him one of her daughters to marry and Lohi is not very like keen on doing this because Lohi knows Lemminkainen is already married. Uh, when Lohi tells this to Lemminkainen, Lemminkainen tells Lohi sh- he doesn't care for his wife anymore. Although Lohi doesn't want to give in to Lemminkainen, she still tells him that if you can um, conquer all these tasks I give you, you can have one of my daughters. So the first task is to catch the devil's elk or the devil's moose which um, is like oh my god uh, which is like a massive massive devilish animal that just roams the forests of Pohjola I I just love that imagery I love the image <laughs> I, of a devil moose I I, I need want it in them my life. to be my child Have you ever met a moose in the wild They're insane They're yeah, huge they, Yeah very far away but it was scary and beautiful Yeah they are very big and there is a lot of them here The Lemminkainen actually succeeds in this and he brings Lohi the moose and then Lohi has to figure out another task so she she tells him to catch her the flame-maned horse of the devil. <sighs> and Lemminkainen goes on and does that as well. And Lohi is beginning to be very, uh, what is it, desperate. Ooh, so, yeah. so he tells Lemminkainen to go on and hunt her the swan that swims in the river of Tuonela. And Tuonela is the underworld of Finnish mythology. Mm-hmm. And mm. the river of Tuonela is, well, the gateway to Tuonela. Gotcha. So yeah, Tuonela is very much... You can compare Tuonela to Hades in uh, the Greek mythology. So mm. they are very similar. And, well, if you go into the water of Tuonela, you die because... You, you step into through the gates of Tuonela. But Lemminkainen right. goes on and 
well, gathers all his hunting gear and goes to shoot down this one of Tuonela. As he arrives to the river, there is someone waiting for him. It's the old blind shepherd that has been, well, whose pride Lemminkainen, well, destroyed, you could say. And Lemminkainen doesn't even see him when he arrives to the river. And this shepherd actually sings out a great, great viper. And uh, this is a side note, in Finland there is only one snake that is venomous, but it is not actually even venomous. Like, you can survive its bite. (laughs) But as this shepherd summons this snake, he stabs Lemminkainen with it. And, well, I don't know how he does it, stabbing someone with a snake, but he succeeds, and then he... Well, throws Lemminkainen into the river. And now Lemminkainen is very much dead. But as if that weren't enough, one of the people of Tuonela, who is the son of Tuoni, and Tuoni is the leader of Tuonela, uh, uh, his son comes out and slices Lemminkainen's body into, well, into pieces. Mm-hmm. So oh now Lemminkainen is not only dead, but in pieces in the river of Tuonela. This is pretty metal. This reminds me of Osiris a little bit. Yeah, it <laughs> is very brutal. But back home, Lemminkainen's mother uh, notices that the well, the brush is bleeding very badly. And <laughs> Kyllikki is very heartbroken by the death of her husband. But Lemminkainen's mother uh, will not give up. So she travels all the way to Tuonela and goes for Lohi and asks what happened to her son. And Lohi mocks the woman and tells her that that fool went to the, uh, to the river of Tuonela and he's not coming back. Lemminkäs's mother still goes to the river and now it turns out that the mother is actually also a very powerful sorcerer. She sings about a heath wave so powerful that all the people of Tuonela fall asleep. (gasps) Now she is able to plunge herself into the river and using a massive rake, she collects all the pieces of Lemminkainen. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) And now, as she has all the pieces, she begins to sing and starts to rebuild her son. Wow. After he is full again, she sings about a bee and asks the bee to bring her some honey from the gardens of God. <laughs> uh, with this honey, she, well, she spreads it all over her son's body and he is alive again. Whoa. That is such like a powerful and tactile, you know, resurrection. Mm. It's not just like waving your hand. It's, yeah. you know, ugh, I love it. Uh, Lemminkainen's mother is a very prominent figure in Finnish mythology because she's seen as the, like, the uh, ideal mother. Like, what would mother not, what, what would a mother not do for her children? 
Mm-hmm. So right, sort of like like a mom who like lifts a car up off of her kid, yeah. you know, or, or something crazy. I I see how that could probably be a, a lot for a person to try to live up to. Yeah, but also you know it's pretty devoted and beautiful. Mm. But sadly, Lemminkainen is well, in my opinion, he doesn't deserves deserve his mother because as he wakes up, he well he doesn't even thank her. He's uh, well. Even though the mother like tries to warn him and tell him that now you must learn your lesson out of this, <laughs> he still like cannot get his mind away from revenge on Lohi and Lohi's people. Oh no! Oh, buddy! I bet there are a lot of parents right now being like, "Yep, yeah, that's how it is." <laughs> mm-hmm. We go back to Väinämöinen, and Väinämöinen is actually, as he has returned to his hometown, he has actually not been able to get rid of this beautiful woman in her, his mind, this gorgeous daughter of Lohi. So he decides to go back to Pohjola to ask for her hand. Didn't learn his lesson, did he? <laughs> no, he did not, and on his way he actually meets... Anniki. Anniki is Ilmarinen's sister, and mm. she is very known for her wits and will, and she's like the uh, clever woman in the story. <laughs> As Anniki learns that Vainamönen is going to go and woo the woman that was promised for her brother, he goes on to Ilmarinen and tells Ilmarinen that if you will forge me the most beautiful jewels, I will help you to get you your wife back. Okay. Well, Ilmarinen agrees to this, and Anniki actually uses her knowledge of great love spells, and uh, she prepares a very, very powerful and magical sauna. And, well, in the olden times, people used to, like, bathe in saunas in Finland. Okay. So right. she like prepares this sauna for her brother. He uses all kinds of like magical objects, like uh, like the specific type of water and specific type of wood to warm the sauna. And as uh, Ilmarinen is ready with the jewels, Anniki lets him go to the sauna. And as Ilmarinen exits the sauna. Anniki is almost unable to recognize his, uh, her brother. Now he is clean as ever, he is handsome as ever, and he is ready to go back to Pohjola and get him his wife. All right, all right, not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and now Väinämöinen has arrived to Pohjola, but before he goes to Lohi, Lohi has actually learned of Väinämöinen's plans. He now tells her daughter to accept Väinämöinen, because Väinämöinen, as we all know, is the most powerful man in the land. So Lo, he really wants him to be her uh, son-in-law. Mm-hmm. But as with Aino, Lo, his daughter doesn't want to marry an old man. <sighs> so <laughs> Always something wrong. Yeah. Always some. When Väinämöinen arrives, he tries to woo her, and she does not give in. She doesn't want to marry this old dude. And then the gorgeous, gorgeous Ilmarinen arrives again. Oh, no. And he is here to ask for her hand. Un- unlike the last time they met, Ilmarinen is now very 
intent on marrying the daughter and now he's clean and very handsome and also mm, powerful. Like, uh, Lohi's daughter really wants to marry him. But just like with Lemminkainen before, Lohi doesn't want to give her daughter to Ilmarinen. So he she gives her, him three tasks to conquer before he can get her daughter's hand. Always some tasks, always yeah. three of them. I know, <laughs> I know. I pic- I picture, I picture her just sort of looking around the house and being like, like I don't know what my version of that would be. I would be like, uh, uh, go get me a bunch of stuff from Trader Joe's because it's really <laughs> far away and hard to get to on the subway. And uh, uh, wash my walls. Do people do that? You know, like, like I don't even know what I would ask. Yeah, but um, Ilmarinen is very disheartened by this and. The tasks actually begin in the in the next day, but the same night as Ilmarinen is begin to go to sleep, he actually goes to visit Lohi's daughter one last time before he tries to conquer these tasks, and he uh, opens up and tells this woman all his worries and all the things on his mind and the honesty and openness of Ilmarinen really hit like get Lohi's daughter and she falls falls for him even more it's almost like women are looking for emotional uh vulnerability in their men Mm -hmm. I know crazy right right? (laughs) I know so she decides to help Ilmarinen and she actually gives him some advice on how to beat all these tasks he she, he is going to me- meet tomorrow. So Ilmarinen is now full of strength, full of courage, and he knows that the woman she wants is actually on his side. And the next day, incredible thing happens and he actually beats all the tasks Lohi gives him. He, oh, for instance, hey. he for instance blows a field full of snakes, and he hunts down the devil's bear. Okay, the devil has a lot of animals in this story. Yeah, the devil has a lot of animals. Yeah, the devil just like casually has a zoo in this story. Yeah, really, and it, it's funny because this is also the part when the Christianity really like lurks into the story because oh, yeah. we, uh, Finnish mythology doesn't have a devil. It's very, very, like, <laughs> a Christian mm-hmm. thing. So I don't know who this devil is, but he has a lot of animals. And lastly, uh, Ilmarinen has to fish a massive, massive pike out of a nearby lake. And he actually succeeds in every task. Awesome. Hey, it's almost like emotional connection and vulnerability with your partner mm-hmm. makes you better and stronger. Yeah, <laughs> and Lohi has no other option but um, accept the offer and let Ilmarinen marry her most beautiful daughter. After this, there is a whole scene of having the biggest wedding ever. Like, yeah. it's Aww. so massive that Lohi invites Everyone from everywhere, except Lemminkainen. Oh, no. (laughs) Always invite everyone to your wedding because that just leads to bad things. Then the person you leave out will plot against you. Mm -hmm. That's what's just going to happen. This is amazing. But first, I think I'm going to need a refill. Uh, Yes, let's get to it. 
Jules, in the middle of uh, your trek through the near-Arctic wastelands on your long, arduous journey of love, lost in a forest, you're going to get hungry. That is true. And it's great to have something with you on your journey, just in your bag, after the gym. You never know when you're going to need a little snack for your unexpected adventure. That's true as well. And what is our favorite snack to bring? Um, I think that would be an RX bar. Hell yeah. So you've heard us talk about RX bars before. We've talked about our favorite flavors and stuff like that. But did you know that as of May 14th, there are three new flavors to try and they're amazing. What? I'm going to have to put my, my peanut butter fave on the shelf for a second and figure out one of these new flavors. But there's so many good... You you like your peanut butter flave, but what if you had peanut butter and berries? Oh. Or mango pineapple, perfect for summer. Sounds like my favorite smoothies. Or my personal favorite. Like, I am a Ferrero Rocher kind of gal, so I'm so stoked for chocolate hazelnut. They are really, really delicious. And they actually have new nut butters coming out as well. Oh, Just, sweet. Yeah, like that whole ethos of like, listen, the packaging has the ingredients we are just about actual food and no bs same for the nut butters um so there is a honey cinnamon peanut butter <gasps> which is like legit uh kind of straight up peanut butter and then vanilla almond butter and i am very excited to tell you guys that if you order your first rx bar order use the code spirits for 25 percent off um, snacks on snacks yeah uh and and they're so affordable seriously we love these people we love rx bar we love the product so you can go to rxbar.com slash spirits enter promo code spirits at checkout i actually Cannot wait to toast up some sourdough and put that honey cinnamon peanut butter on top. That sounds amazing. See, I'm going to do some like early summer tart apples Ooh. and try that stuff out. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. All right. Thank you, RxBar. RxBar.com slash spirits, 25% off. Let's finally talk about Tolkien and Turin okay. to Rambar. Callback. <laughs> yeah. As, you, as I mentioned in... Uh, earlier, Tolkien actually was very inspired by Kalevala, and he was especially a big fan of the story of Kullervo. And he actually rewrote the story of Kullervo and named it the story of Kullervo very imaginatively. <laughs> but he he very much liked the story so much that he based his character Turin Turambar on Kullervo. And Kullervo's huh. story is very tragic and very brutal. And it begins with two brothers, Untamo and Kalervo, who hate each other. And they hate each other so, so much that Untamo one day decides to slaughter everyone in Kalervo's village. All of Kalervo's people. That is very extreme. Yeah, but again, except one, Kalervo's pregnant wife. What? And Yes, and he takes the mother in, and as she gives birth, uh, he keeps the son, which Kalervo's uh, wife names Kullervo. And Kullervo grows up as an orphan. He, his mother is nowhere to be found, and Untamo basically uh, has Kullervo as his slave. But very soon, Untamo realizes that Kullervo is very powerful and very, very bad willed. He sows sorrow everywhere he goes and everything he does. And Kullervo is filled with want of revenge for his father. So, Untamo sells Kullervo as a slave to Ilmarinen, who oh, has a brand new wife. They are happily living no. in the town of Vainola. 
which is the place where Ilmarinen and Väinämöinen live. Kullervo uh, is given to Ilmarinen's new wife, and the wife, although seeing Kullervo's great strength and talent, uh, he, she gives him the most undesirable job as a shepherd. And mm-hmm. Kullervo's pride is very hurt by this because he has all the power and he just is a shepherd. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, nobody respects him. Kullervo is wallowing in self-pity. Like, gotcha. he is yeah. just full of it. Like, he's like, why would any of this happen to me? I am the greatest man of all and my father has been betrayed so badly by his brother and how can any of this happen and then <laughs> as he begins to eat his lunch which uh, Ilmarinen's wife has prepared for her subordinate, I don't know, slave um, sure. yeah. he cuts the bread and breaks the one thing that all he has of his father's which is a knife Oh no! no! and it turns out um, the wife is actually very mischievous and has uh, baked a stone inside of Kullervo's bread. This is a bad situation. Yeah. You should not enslave people. This is, no, I mean, no, that's no, no, a no, given. No. Yeah, that's a very, like, uh, yikes situation in Kalevala because yeah. it is mentioned very often that Ilmarinen has slaves. Like, Weird. no, no oh, one else yeah. has slaves in Kalevala except Ilmarinen. And not he's great, like buddy. the good guy. <laughs> that that's not what you want to be known for, yeah. like in town or at church or at the market. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's them down the road. You know, they have slaves. Ugh. Yeah. But as Kullervo breaks his knife, he goes insane with rage. Oh boy. He has never been as angry as he is now. And he begins to sing. Because of course he does. And he sings a great, great herd of wolves and bears. Oh. And he go- commands this herd of beasts to first eat all the cows that sh- he has been oh, no. herding. And then Yikes. he leads the herd to Ilmarinen's wife. And the wolf and the bears tear her ab- apart. So. Oh boy, that's an ending. Yep, she dies a very, very brutal death, and Kullervo decides to, well, get the heck out of there, because he knows he will face the wrath of Ilmarinen if he stays. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So now, Ilmar- uh, so now Kullervo is on the run, but he hears a rumor that actually uh, his father and mother are not dead. He comes, uh, He goes after this rumor, and... Lo and behold, he finds his family. And sure. um, they are reunited with happiness and uh, tears and uh, like everything is good for a while. Uh, although he does hear that one of her, uh, his sisters has gone missing. But it doesn't matter because now she, he has his family and they are happy together. <laughs> Sadly, everything Kullervo does goes wrong as usually things do mm-hmm. and whatever he does for his for the work in the farm or in on the fields everything just turns to crap the uh, the oh weeds he, he tries to sow is all like rotten and if he tries to hunt his uh, equipment don't work and 
well, he's not a very happy man still, even though he has his family back. And then one winter he is sent to pay the taxes for, for his family's sake. So he mm-hmm. takes a uh, he takes a wagon and just sets off through the snowy uh, through the snowy forests. And on his trip, he meets several women and tries to woo them to his wagon, if you know what I mean. And um, <laughs> as he is very unfortunate, none of them really take his bite. Oh boy! And this, of course, angers him. And the final woman he meets, uh, skiing on his path, he snatches to his wagon and, well, goes off. Too much ladies snatching in this story, in my opinion. But uh, the woman he has now with him is very mad, of course, because why the hell are you stopping me from skiing where I want to go? Let me go. Thank you very much. But uh, Kullervo brags about his wealth because he has all the taxes with him. You can He can show how much money he has, although it's not technically his anymore. Right. And he's very handsome. So the woman is seduced by him. He parks the wagon into the woods and they have some good time together. And after after sleeping with each other, the woman wants to know more about this mysterious handsome man she has met on the snowy road. And he, uh, she asks about his family, like, whose son are you and where are you from? And... As, you know, normal questions. Yeah, <laughs> they and are. as Kullervo tells about his father, Kalervo, it of course turns out this woman is his missing sister. Oh no. Uh, the sister, upon hearing this, goes, well, she goes mad with shame and sh- sorrow. And they have been parked near a very strong rabbit, like a... It's not a waterfall, but almost like a waterfall. Oh, no. And as you might guess, she throws herself into the rabbit. Yeah. You know, nobody nobody should uh, commit suicide for any reason, uh, mm. especially shame. Yeah. But why is it always the women that do this in the story? Yeah. Mm. But sadly, the story of Kullervo is not a happy one. And as he is very shamed also by this... Uh, he decides to finally take revenge on the person he blames this all on, which is his uncle, Kuntamo. So he takes his sword, he takes his carriage, and he goes to Untamo's village and kills everyone in there. Every woman, every child, every man, every animal. Mm. The blood, blood bath is massive. And after this, he walks back, all bloodied, the sword still in his hand, to the spot where he, well, disgraced his sister. And he lays the sword upwards into the ground, the blade towards the sky, and he throws himself upon that blade. Oh, buddy. Oh, oh, buddy. What a, what a sad situation. Yeah. So that is the story of Kullervo. 
and <laughs> it is not a very happy wow. land. And this is the, I don't know why, but this is the one talking like the most. That, that seems like Tolkien, though. Let's be real here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. It's very extra. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it also has these themes that we see a lot, you know, like repeated in, in just like stories that people tell each other, but especially in, in novels of, you know, like heroism and irony. Like this is like the, a Greek tragedy, you know, yeah. in, in like its its construction, um, which I guess for some reason, like that's the kind of shit that people on some level like to hear. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people are always so interested in tragedy or m- myself. I am very interested in in the witch hunts which are the one of the most gruesome things in human history but i still am very very interested in this Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i mean maybe it's it's something about you know we all feel like uh fate kind of happens to us that life happens to us sometimes Mm. that as much as you want to think that you're in control you know sometimes it it happens that you know you you feel as if you can't really control anything yeah and so in a story where somebody does their best to control their circumstances and in the end you know a prophecy happens to them or bad things befall them that they unknowingly created for themselves Mm -hmm. um even though it's it's sad maybe it is on some level reassuring that you know at the end of the day we can't control anything and and that might make people you know in kind of like a, a ironic way accept that fact about life a little bit easier yeah but now let's finish the story of Kalevala this is like the grand finale of Kalevala in which Vainamoinen still living happily in Vainola begins to wonder about Sampo and why on earth would Lohi own Sampo even though a man from Vainola has forged it Mm mm-hmm the more he thinks about it, the more he wants the Sampo back in his hometown. So he goes to Ilmarinen, who is still heartbroken about his wife's gruesome death. Yeah. And yeah. begins him to join him in a grand robbery scheme, you might say. It's a heist. Yes, a it's heist? a heist. Yes. And the two men also are joined by... Whom, whom other but Lemminkainen, who is very pissed off about not being invited to the biggest party of the century, and also a little bit pissed out about, well, dying because of Lohi. The three men begin their journey from Vainola to back to Pohjola. On their way to Pohjola, they actually fish a massive pike, one of those large fishes Ilmarinen actually had to fish for Lohi, in his tasks he had to conquer. But with this one, Vainamonen actually takes the jawbone of the pike and, create, uh, and creates the first kandele. And kandele is a very, very traditional Finnish instrument with strings mm. that you play, you hold it in your uh, like hand and you play the strings it's very much like a harp but it's a Finnish instrument and actually it is the one instrument you usually um, like uh, help the singer who sings the songs of Kalevala oh, like okay. it's the one like magical well not magical it's it's the one instrument you use to like tell the story of Kalevala it's gotcha. like the melody comes from the kandele wow 
That's beautiful. Wainamoinen creates the first kandele out of a fish's jaw bone. So uh, as they move on, they come to Pohjola and they meet Loki, who is very, very surprised to see these three dudes back in town. And um, her surprise turns to anger very quickly when Wainamoinen, uh, de- like, Wainamoinen tells, him, tells her to share the riches of Sampo, like for Pohjola not to have all of its wealth and its luck and its like good things. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Lohi should share the wealth of Sampo. But Lohi, of course, is not into that. And before yeah. Lohi gets to do anything, however, Wainamoinen begins to play his kandele. Uh-oh. And the song is so beautiful and so, so, well, hypnotizing that everyone in Pohjola and everyone in Pohjola slowly fall asleep. Ah. And now the three robber, robbers really get to work because, as you remember, Lohi planted the samba inside the bedrock of Pohjola. Right, with the nine gates and the, the stone yeah. vault and all that. <laughs> yes, so first Wainamöiden sings the samba out of the ground because Ooh. he is also, uh, well, sadly, he is better sorcerer than Lohi. <laughs> and uh, for, some, for some reason, I am suddenly on the side of Lohi in this one. <laughs> I don't know why. But... I don't blame you. Yeah. Listen, no one here has had an easy life. Yeah, and uh, after Wainamönen has done this, it's Ilmarinen's turn to open all the nine locks. And Lemminkainen just is there. He doesn't really help them because he has nothing to do until they all need to carry the Sampo into their boat and start rowing back. Mm-hmm. And now the job is done, right? Hmm? Nope, never that uh, easy. Uh, well, no. Lemminkainen starts to think that, and he, he wants to celebrate. So he wants to start singing. Oh, and buddy, no. Uh-oh. Although Wainamoinen tries to stop him, he begins to sing anyway, and his song is harsh and ugly and loud, oh. and it scares a single crane from the bank of the lake and this crane flies all the way back to Pohjola and wakes everyone up. <laughs> this is why bards are my least favorite D&D class. <laughs> <laughs> They're powerful. Yeah, but then again, Lemminkainen is not a very good singer and that's no. why it was harsh and that's why the crane got scared. <laughs> if, if it was Wainamoinen, maybe we wouldn't be in this scenario. That's but fair. Really, yeah. Lohi is, of course, furious. So he, she begins to sing and she conjures the Ututyttö, who is the, well, you could uh, translate her name into the girl of mist or the mist girl. Who My is favorite the, character ooh. so far. <laughs> yeah. She is the deity who creates, creates mist, of course. She tells Ututyttö to go and get Vainamönen at Ko's both lost in a great great mist and then Lohi sings and got conscious Ikuturso 
and you can't really translate that name, but Ikuturso is like a kraken because it's a great, great lake monster. Awesome. Uh, Lohi sings for it to attack Vainamoinen and their boat, but Vainamoinen has all the tricks up his sleeve, and as the mist like wraps around them, he actually cuts through the mist with his sword. Like, the mist is so thick, Whoa. you can literally cut through it. And as Ikuturso rises up from the depths, Vainamoinen just grabs it by the ear and, like, very harshly <laughs> tells it not to come back up. It's oh my god! It. It's like a mom! Yeah, and I'm like... In my mind, when I remember the story, I, I heard it as a child, I, I always imagined like this huge monster and Vainamon and, and his crew having, having to fight it or something. But now that I revisited the story, it just, he grabs the monster by the ear and tells it to go back. It's amazing. A and Ikutorso does that. And, well... Th that's it and they continue their way to Vainala but Lohi is not giving up here's the other big bird part I told you guys about yes Lohi turns herself into a massive bird resembling a hawk and he she actually tells his her troops all the war troops she has to climb up her back and then she flies after our three robbers from Vainola. <laughs> and as they catch up to them, there is a massive fight. So Ilmarinen and Lemminkainen are fighting Lohi's troops, and Vainamoinen himself is fighting Lohi. And as this all goes on, Lohi tries to reach for Sampo with her massive claw, but she drops Sampo into the water and oh, no. the Sampo shatters into a million pieces. Oh no! Whoa. Lost to time. I can just imagine this one single pause, like this one second yeah. of silence until everyone kind of like gets back up on Lohi's back and Lohi starts to like fly away, cursing Vainamoiden, cursing Lemmingan and cursing their whole land because they wow. took the great treasure from her. <laughs> and, well, Vainamon and Lemminkainen and Ilmarinen, they all go back to Vainola, very sad, like, very bummed out that, well, they did all that trouble for nothing, really. Yeah. But as they arrive to the shore, Vainamon realizes that all the pieces of Sambo have actually drifted on the shore began to make the shore very, very fertile. So Vainamoinen goes and picks up all the pieces he can find and takes it into his village and gives it out for everyone and buries it into the ground. And with this, the, like, the village of Vainala has never been more fertile and, and more uh, like oh, wow. lucky and... Actually, they get what they wanted. They That's got awesome. great fortune for their land. That's so cool. Wow. This is technically the ending 
of Kalevala. Mm. Although there is several stories afterwards in which Lohi tries to take this happiness away from Vainala, but every time she tries, she fails. Wow. That's so cool. I guess one of the lessons here is that if you need to like get rid of a murder weapon or something in Finland, don't break it up. Just burn it. Just, just yeah. to be safe. <laughs> just, just, just to be careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is the story of Kalevala. And, well, it was a long story, but it actually is very much longer than this. <laughs> wow. Well, that was so fascinating. Yeah, that was amazing. That was so good. <laughs> wow. Well, I'd, I'd love to hear from um, fellow listeners who might have grown up with the story or have similar ones where you're from um, and kind of your ideas about why, why is this the thing, you know, mm. that, we, that, we still, um, that we still teach and repeat. It most likely is because Finland is such a small country that we literally have nothing else. <laughs> we yeah, only have yeah. the one book. And sometimes, look, you work with what you've got. And mm. if that's the story that was, you know, repeated and written down at the right time and, you know, ticked the right boxes in terms of nation building, um, yeah. you know, then then you get to decide which parts of it you keep and which ones you think are important, you know, in the in the modern day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Elena, thank you so much for taking us through this epic story <laughs> and for writing to us after hearing the uh, the Tolkien episode. No, thank you guys for listening for me to ramble on and on about this. <laughs> it, it was our absolute pleasure. Our absolute pleasure. And listeners, if you like this, Elena has a, a podcast um, in Finnish, right? Uh, yeah, in Finnish. It's Queen um, Ananasia Kokos, which is also from a Finnish poem, uh, but is actually a children's poem about how to be friends. And this Queen Ananasia Kokos podcast is all about friendship. So That's adorable. I love it. If you know <laughs> Finnish, you can come around and listen to me and my French, uh, friends talk about friendship. And I think one coming out in English as well soon that we will include the link um, in the description of this podcast when it is out. If you're listening to us in the future um, and if you're listening to us in in the present, we will uh, we will tweet it when it is ready. Yes. Yes. And that podcast is going to be very interesting. Like, I'm very sure that this podcast is uh, right up your listeners alley because it's going to be me and several of my friends talking about witchcraft. (gasps) Awesome. We're so excited. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you again. And listeners, remember, stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch, on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff. Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.